Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard, and I am your host. Thanks for being with us today. I'm also a certified financial planner, just like Jeff. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and then helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with that goal. We combine excellence and wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. This podcast is all about that. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. So, Jeff, how is your summer going so far? Any big trips planned? You know, we we really don't. Um, we had a family vacation planned for California for last month, but uh, my son had an opportunity to go to Thailand with a friend of his, and we wanted him to you know get uh, take advantage of that opportunity. And my sure. daughter had other stuff going on, so we decided to, to postpone the trip. Uh, something we are doing. Some some very good friends of ours bought a great piece of property up in North Georgia a few years ago and started a, a summer camp. Uh, for inner inner city kids. Awesome. So uh, Ashley and I volunteer once a year to go up there for a week, and and so that's coming up. And you know these these friends of mine are probably great models for this whole idea about um, about being intentional about how do you use your gifts. I mean they are just quite an inspiration. Um, they are successful serial entrepreneurs. They hmm. bought, I mean, uh, built and sold to several businesses, and they're just great stewards. They love the outdoors. Um, their kids had great summer camp experiences growing up, and so they decided to use their gifts to invest in this property and create this this really really neat um, neat summer camp. That's great. So, have you been up there before? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. This will okay. be our third or fourth year going up and and helping. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that will be a blast, and that does underscore a little difference in our lives. My with an infant at home, we're there's no vacations. We're just <laughs> trying to make it through each day. Yeah. So with a smile on our face. So yeah, terrific. Anyway, all right. We are doing something a little bit different on today's show as Jeff has invited a guest to join us. And Jeff, I know you are excited about today's guest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him and your relationship? Yeah, this, this I'm, I am really excited about this. So as the audience may know from our previous shows, in 2013, after rereading Bob Buford's book, Halftime, I decided to go to Dallas to the Halftime Institute, uh, essentially for two days of coaching and then get involved in their coaching program. So I was a, uh, I was a student in their coaching program for a couple of years. And while I was there, I had the privilege to meet our guest today, Jeff Spatafora. Um, you know, Jeff has spent many years coaching successful business leaders as they did their work, uncovering their calling and setting a course for their second half journey and, and how to make their, their second half meaningful and purposeful and, and, and those kind of things that we talk about on the show. Uh, he spent 12 years with the Institute as the Director of Global Coaching Services and, and Product Development. Um, Ashley and I actually had the opportunity to spend some time with Jeff and his wife, Michelle, a few years back in Nashville. Um, and so Jeff has just been a great resource to me. He's, a, he's been a wise counselor and encouraged me in my own journey as I've been trying to figure out how to use 
my platform. Uh, a year or so ago, he published a, a terrific book called The Joy Model. Uh, and earlier this year, he created a new organization called The Way. Mm. Uh, and so Jeff is calling is to help people live with greater clarity and courage and to help them reignite purpose and passion, which is you know kind of what we're trying to do here in this show. So welcome, Jeff Spatafora. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so so thanks so much, Jeff. I, like I said, I, I um, you know your journey and, and and the leadership that you provided at the Halftime Institute uh, was was quite incredible. So, as we set up before we start, uh, do you mind telling us and your audi- and the audience a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in the great state of Colorado, um, a little town just west of downtown Denver, heading up into ski country and uh my wife and i michelle we've been married for 27 years i think it is and uh three uh three children a a daughter who's uh 23 um actually married a young man last september from north georgia oh Uh, good yeah yeah and they're living just over the state line in uh western north carolina now yeah, that's uh, exciting to see them blossom. And right. then I have another son that's uh, 21. And then um, uh, our last child, also a son, is 19 years old. And okay. So uh, here we've got two dogs, one of which is sitting at my feet under my <laughs> desk in my study. So oh, beautiful. Uh, awesome. that's us. Yeah. So uh, you're not from Colorado. Where, where did you grow up and, and what were your yeah. interests growing up? Well, you know, I grew up in Western Massachusetts, uh, the rolling hills of uh, of rural New England, sort of uh, about 20 minutes from the Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire border, hmm. and um, really kind of an idyllic life. Just lived in this uh, beautiful little town. Uh, you know, our town was what had been nicknamed since the early 1800s as the friendly town, and it really <laughs> Gee, was beautiful. It was just. People were just fantastic, and uh, it was really just a great, tight-knit, small community. Um, my mom and dad uh, were wonderful influences on my life. My my dad was, uh, for 36 years, he was the uh, the high school football coach, and he taught biology to the, to the senior high um, classes, and uh, my mom was initially a nurse. Um, and then became a, a representative for a group of uh, craftsmen and artistmen. Uh, we gotten really, um, I think, uh, uh, defined our, our family life around sports. And so sports was a big deal for me. And, um, you know, I played um, uh, football, baseball, and basketball. Then I went to a, a small Division three college where I played, uh, continued to play football and baseball. Uh, my brothers were athletes. And, um, you know, the big the big thing that was a focus for me in that environment, if you're familiar at all with the, the Northeast, it's, you know, it, it's about the American dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so, and Friday so, night, I kinda... so Friday night lights and the sporting, <laughs> the sports, you know, everything revolved around sports and family and those kind of things. Yeah. 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 Early on, that was it. But then there was kind of this this uh, switch that was flipped around, you know, going to college. And now it's about, okay, how do you go make money? Right. So I was right. really tar- target locked on that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some very close friends from, from up in uh, up in, in, uh, in your area. And uh, 
Ashley and I haven't been up there a lot, but I, I just remember the one time we went to Boston and we wanted to drive up to Kennebunkport. All I remember is, you know, we went through like four states and in uh, <laughs> ten toll booths, and you know, in Georgia we can drive you know five hours and not leave <laughs> yeah. the state or have to go through a toll. So that was that was new for me. Yeah, so I knew I knew you were an athlete, and I, I knew um, that your dad was a coach. That's I'm sure you learned a lot of valuable lessons growing up with parents that had those kind of values that that you shared. Now, where, where, what was the name of the school, the college that you went to? Uh, Amherst. Oh, Amherst, Amherst yes. College. Yeah. Yep. And what were you yeah. studying in college? What was your... Well, I was political science major with a, with a minor focus in English. Gotcha. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So did you have, did you have goals in college did you, that you can remember or did you have sort of life you know, goals formulated at that time or was it really just about I, I getting not. out and getting a job? Yeah, it really was. You know, if you look back at that time, that was that I graduated in '87, and um, at least in that culture, uh, there was one thing that was predominant, and there's one thing that was completely ab- absent. What was predominant was, um, you know, this is kind of the um, you know Michael Douglas and the um, the uh, the movie Wall Street uh, and his character Gordon Gecko. Yeah. And it was kind of greed is good okay gotcha it, yeah it, you know it was kind of like the key to life is you know go make as much money as fast as you can and yeah. and don't be a jerk about it you know i yeah. mean live a good moral life and be a good guy and be a good husband and a dad and all that kind of stuff but really it was it was all about the money yeah that was predominant what was absent is and and this is like not a not a joke um, that I in four years of college I never once heard or participated in a serious conversation about God or Jesus. Uh, um, yeah, you know it really is a spiritually dry place. Yeah. It's um, the home of secular humanism. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are too smart for God, and I yeah. was I was in that camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mantra in those days was fake it till you make it. So that was, kind yeah. of, you know, being a chameleon. So, yeah. yeah. So, you, so you got out of college and you ultimately ended up in your career as a high performing executive. So t- tell us a little bit about your your career path. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because uh, it was completely unintentional. Mm-hmm. There was really no strategy in terms of you know, what's the problem in the world that I want to be a part of the solution towards? There's no sense of what's my gifting. It was basically, you know, interview for high paying jobs. And, uh, you know, unlike today's um, kids coming out of college, they had so many options. I I had two job offers and I chose one and I was <laughs> off and running. Yeah. And it was like, and, and it's funny because I talked to I talked to men and women in their, you know, in their 40s and 50s, and it's like, you know, how did you get into your industry? And very few of them had any strategic intention behind it. It was kind of like, well, my dad did that, or I had an uncle that was successful, so I jumped into his industry. Right. Um, and that was my case. I, I ended up just uh, falling into the um, uh, management and executive leadership development uh, industry. And, uh, I just started working for that, uh, towards that end. And, uh, that's how I got introduced to, um, coaching and human behavior change in a corporate environment. Okay. So what were you, so your last position in the corporate world, what, what it was, a it was a consultant and a, a coach. 
Yeah, so it was with a leadership development firm that was based out of uh, out of San Francisco, and it was really it was, it was coaching and training, gotcha. um, you know, around mid, upper, and and senior level executives, and just uh, trying to help them identify um, high performance behaviors, and then and then move from what they're doing now to you know a new model of of thinking and and leading. Gotcha. So what was it that happened in your career that ultimately sent you to the, you know, the, 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 the quote, locker room, the, the, yeah. the, the time in your life when you said, you know what, there's got to be more to life than this. What, yeah. what, what drove you there? Well, I tell you, it was not a specific incident or insight. Um, I, I, I consider many of my years um, so I, I went from I went from Massachusetts. Um, then I went to Chicago. I was working for the Chicago branch of this of this little firm. We were kind of a boutique firm serving the Fortune 1000. And then ultimately, I was uh, had the opportunity to open up the um, the Rocky Mountain Regional Office, and we moved to Denver. And that was 24 years ago that we moved to Colorado. And I kind of describe that season as a season of smoldering discontent. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, okay, something's not right. I, I am, you know, relatively speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the ball out of the park on the American dream. I mean, it's like my career is growing. My income is growing. I've got a lovely wife. I've got three healthy kids. We've moved to Colorado, which, you know, growing up in New England, I grew up fly fishing and skiing and, mm. And coming to Colorado, that's like doing those two things on steroids. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. man, why am I just not ecstatic? There was just this smoldering discontent for many years. And the and the big inflection point was I I started to go back to church um, at, at about age 36. And um, for many years, I was trying to chase down the source of this smoldering discontent. And I thought maybe it was financial. I thought it was maybe recreational, you know, let's do more, let's do more vacations and cooler stuff. Um, you know, we bought this house and uh, an extra house up in uh, Breckenridge, Colorado to ski. And, you know, then I thought maybe it was vocational. So I started to question, was I in the right industry? And then all of a sudden it started to hit me. I wonder if it's spiritual. And you see, I, I grew up, um, I never missed a Sunday of church until I was 15 years old. And then I went off to prep school and I didn't set foot in church for 20 years. Hmm. Wow. God was just, I didn't have any ax to grind with the church. I wasn't angry with God. You know, I didn't have some unanswered prayer that turned me bitter. It was just, God was, was irrelevant and unnecessary, quite frankly. Hmm. And so I started to think, you know, maybe this, this pain, this this existential angst, it's spiritual, and so, um, you know, I we we decided to go to a church, and um, and we went to a church. I, I grew up Catholic, and I never really heard a straight up presentation of the gospel, like you know, kind of like a three minute boom. This is what it's about. And this church that we went to, I heard it, and I was like, whoa, if if that's for real that's like a serious game changer yeah and wow. it just rocked me and so i started to grow i started for the first time ever read the bible i got into a bible study and i started to realize man there's an alternative way to live besides the the, the playbook of the american dream that i was handed 
And so I, that my my smoldering discontent kind of flamed up into a full blown inferno. It's like, wow, man, I'm way over here doing one lifestyle, and Scripture says there's a whole other way to peace and joy and impact. And that was when I had to go to the locker room, and gotcha. I was talking to a talking to a buddy of mine. We were fly fishing up in the mountains, and he he was like, dude you're in halftime. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, you never heard of this book? And so anyway, then I, I read the book and, and enrolled at the Institute. Huh. Gotcha. So, so a friend introduced you to the concept of halftime in the book. And, yeah. And then you, then you went deep. So how yeah. long, so once you went through the Institute, how long before you got involved in coaching other professionals through their halftime? Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I went through the whole process, um, you know, it's sort of a year long program. Um, and then I'm a little bit of a slow learner. So I continue <laughs> to work with my coach for, for a few more months, but it just started to crystallize that the thing I was most interested in, most passionate about was helping people discover God's love and purpose for their life. And, um, and so as I was going through the experience in my heart at that time was really to help younger people because kind of what was frustrating me is that, man, I wish I had had better guidance at age 22, you know, <laughs> instead of having to wait and, and prop my ladder up on the wrong building and climb it and then realize, oh, my goodness, I'm going down the wrong path yeah. here. And so um, and so as I went through the Halftime Institute, um, I was not ready to leave the the comfort, uh, both identity and financial comfort of my consulting practice. But um, Halftime was experimenting with coaching as a methodology for discipleship and helping people, uh, kind of like you said, discover, I, I liked what Mike said to describe what you do, discover what matters most and then get the resources in alignment with that. And so, um, you know, I, I said, you know, I can I can help you with that coaching. And so I started to volunteer with halftime to sort of bring some codification and structure and tools and methodology to their coaching. Then I went um, I went, uh, oh, I don't know, about nine months where I renegotiated my contract with my firm. And I was part time with my firm and part time with halftime. And then uh, and then in 2007, I, I said, you know, the heck with it. I, I'm having so much fun. I, I've got like this frontline seat into seeing the Holy Spirit transform people's thinking and, and thinking in their in their in their hearts and their minds and in their spirits. And they're coming alive and they're going to make a, a difference in the kingdom. I just, I just swallowed the pill and just took the cut and pay and went full time. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you, you burned the boats behind you. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So you've coached a lot of individuals as well as groups at the Institute. So are there, yeah. are just a few key concepts that you think would be helpful to our listeners who may be in this halftime space, or are there just a few things that you've learned in coaching clients that, that might be helpful to the listeners? Yeah, well, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is um, you can't hope for life change. You've got to carve out some margin in your calendar and get some structure and some process and intentionality behind it to really lean into it. A lot of people, they'll just get frustrated with where they are. And the biggest challenge, Jeff, that, that I find with particularly people that are successful or you know high net worth people is – their life is not horrible. 
I mean, it's actually pretty darn good, but there's these, this, you know, in their honest moments, there's something kind of missing. And so the challenge with somebody there, uh, compared to somebody who's in a complete meltdown and, and has hit rock bottom, the challenge there is that uh, it's not great, but it's okay. And so they sort of live in this sub-optimized life. And if they don't carve out the space to really lean into what's the source of the angst and what's the pathway out of it, they're just going to stay swirling in the status quo forever. And so the big thing is to, to identify, um, you know, strategies to just make the time happen and, yeah. and then methodologies to, to, to find the pathway out. Cre- create the, create the margin to, to go to the, go to the woods and, and contemplate. Absolutely. Yeah. And have a process, have a process for it. You know, if you just go out there randomly and just, you know, gaze at your navel, it's probably not going to happen. There's, there's many things at a spiritual level and at a practical level um, that, that can help you actually get traction on sorting through what God's calling you to do next. Beautiful. Boy, there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom yeah, in that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So our podcast is, you know, really a lot about how do we create the capacity um to help people pursue this meaning and purpose. Um, and so is there anything in terms of financial margin that you see as roadblocks that come up a lot? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think people, um, and this is what I, I think is so great about what you're doing, Jeff, with, with your clients, is that, um, you know, it's more than an ROI on their finances. It's ROI on their life, on their marriage, on their families. And uh, so I would start, first of all, with with encouraging person to broaden their perspective of their resources and of their vision of what they really want out of life. Like, what's the end game? And anybody whose end game is wrapped up in answering the question, what's your number? It's like, oh, my goodness, what a nauseating question. What's your number? <laughs> it's more like what what's the life that you want to live and what's the legacy you want to leave behind? And then what's the number you need to, to execute on that? Yeah. And so I would start with a with a more of a macro vision. Secondly, just some of the, you know, the oldest cliches in the book around money are so true. It's like spend less than you make. I mean, it's really simple. <laughs> Fascinating. You know, I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, I mean, goodness. You know, I love what Dave, um, you know, Ramsey says is act your wage. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's, there's also, um, you know, avoid the use of debt. And so those are, those are really good. And, and spend less than you make, you know, that, that really makes sense for somebody that might be sort of, you know, if you wanted to say middle class and, and below, but for people that are wealthy, that's really not the issue. The issue, I mean, they've never done a budget. There's no discipline around where's the money coming from and going to. And they've never really sat down as a couple or as a family and really had a, a, a conversation about what are our needs and what are our wants and how do we differentiate from that. And then the, the last thing I would say is, and I know that you're good at helping people with this as well, is get your theology of money figured out. Mm-hmm. Most people just don't really understand how God designed money, how it works, 
Um, money is neutral. It's completely inert, but it, it, it can control us if we assign a spirit to it. Um, it, it's, you know, it's the old saying that it's a, it's a great slave, but a horrible master. Mm. So get your theology of money squared away. Wow. That's terrific, Jeff. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for that. That was, that was great. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned, uh, in your introduction that you wrote a, a, a terrific book, uh, a few years ago, a year or so ago called the joy model. Yeah. So yeah. tell us, you mind just giving us a couple of big points on what the, yeah. what the key messages you were trying to communicate in the book? Well, I think one of the key messages is the genesis of how God laid that book on my heart. And it was, I'd seen a lot of Christians come in and have this desire, again, this smoldering discontent, whether it's rooted in the fuel of guilt or rooted in the fuel of gratitude. It kind of didn't matter, but it was just a person would show up saying, I want to be engaged in something bigger than myself. I want to lead myself and my family into a new way of living where, um, where we're actually, you know, playing a role in bringing heaven to earth. And so what happened was I saw a lot of people do that um, during my uh, years of coaching people through that process. But I noticed some people were making a big impact in the kingdom and had incredible joy. And other people were making a big t impact in the kingdom and were still miserable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, what is going on? This person's got their skills and their passions aligned with God's larger plan and they're still miserable. There's no joy. And so I, that was really the genesis is to start studying well, what's the differentiating factor between these, these two? And uh, ultimately, what I came to the conclusion is that many Christians are, are living sort of a, a, a shallow Christian life where they know about God, but they're really not experiencing him. They, they've kind of punched the John 3.16 ticket, <laughs> I'm going to heaven, but really their Christianity is more like a moral code than a spiritual enlightenment or spiritual refreshment an interactive and fun and exciting relationship with the Holy Spirit that dwells in them. And it's just sort of this cultural, you know, it's like they think about, they think about spirituality in terms of principles as opposed right. to this awesome, relationship. exciting relationship. Yeah. And so the book tries to demystify that, you know, cause I ask a lot of people, you know, you know, just uh, on a scale of one to five, how do you feel about your life? You know, what's the quality of your life right now? And, you know, you don't have too many people that'll say a one. I mean, there's some people that are going through some really rough stuff. Um, they'll say, you know, show of hands, how many two? There'll be a few more twos, a lot of threes, um, you know, a lot of fours, uh, no fives because nobody wants to be a bragger. <laughs> and... And then I say, you know, what would you think if you found out the scale actually goes to 20? <laughs> and you're living at this really comfortable four. And what I find is that most people that are Christians, whatever their current level of spiritual maturity is, they can't conceive of another level that would bring them this incredible joy. They think they've squeezed all the juice out of, the, out of that part of their life. And so... To, to squelch this smoldering discontent and to go look for joy, 
they try to go get busy as opposed to get busy and reassess the relationship with Christ. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I when I read the book, um, you know, your doing being um, mm-hmm. graph, uh, because it's easy to start doing, 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 and and not being, or it's easy to get, it's it's, it's easy to get too far in either direction. So, uh, so yeah. where where can our listeners find the book? Oh, you can just go to Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble uh, online or in bookstores, and just you know, it's the Joy Model. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so yeah. I'll encourage listeners to go go deeper if they want. Uh, yeah. So what? So what are you up to now? Yeah. So what? What's uh, what are you working on now? Well, so I had a, something really crazy happen uh, back in February, March, and April. I had this this gift to take a, a sabbatical, my first ever sabbatical after 12 years with the Halftime Institute, and you know, first sabbatical in 52 years of life, 53 <laughs> years of life. And uh, so I took five weeks off and uh, was excited just to rejuvenate, to refresh, because things were really going at, well at halftime. Three years prior, I was overwhelmed at halftime, but I had been able to hire a couple of key people, and we had trained a number of other people to backfill on different things that I was doing, and so I was in this really nice sweet spot, and I was excited just to refresh and then come back. Well, about two weeks into my sabbatical, I just start getting wave upon wave of conviction that says, you know, Jeff, you need to go back to that original demographic of those younger people that you were hoping would get, you know, would have guidance as opposed to waiting to midlife like the people you've been helping and supporting now. Um, and not that you should stop helping those people, but you've got to integrate in some way to support um, um, the younger generation. And then the other thing that really just kept hitting me, because I made a commitment to be in Scripture every day, but to focus only on the Gospels, was just looking at what is Jesus doing. And he, I, I just became convinced that if he came back to the world now and started his ministry with all of our technology and all of our global transportation capabilities— he still would have just chosen 12 knuckleheads from the neighborhood. <laughs> as a, I, I really just believe it, it as a way to to build a foundation of, of his movement. And so the long and short of it is I have a spectacularly unimaginative and very small vision. <laughs> uh, and I, I, think you uh, can, I think you can do that vision. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks for the confidence. Um, but it's it's to disciple deeply for an extended period of time, uh, thirty to forty men that that live within a half hour of my home. Oh, great! And yeah. and just see if um, a, a true life on life, where I'm fully dedicated, like this is not sort of part time. It's like this is my life yeah. is to love and to serve and to encourage, you know, thirty to forty men, and just see how that moves the needle advancing God's kingdom. And, and my, my experience has been that, you know, most people are business people like us. They, 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 and even this has bled into the church, is that the only metric for growth is horizontal. It's like, how do we get more people through some program or into church? And my vision is, is I want growth to go down, yeah, deeper deep, roofs, deep. full transformation, and then see what happens with a fully ignited, fully transformed mind and heart, where that leads. It's almost just like a spiritual experiment. And so um, so wow. I, I ended up leaving my um, 
my my corporate and, and leadership and international responsibilities for Halftime Institute. I'm still a coach with them, but I'm focused on this new ministry called The Way. How terrific. Oh, that is that is great. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's the way life is, isn't it? I mean, you have these seasons um and you get, you know, by 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 taking the getting the margin and taking the space, uh, you know, new wisdom is is uh, revealed to you through the spirit. So that's really that's awesome. So can people find you on um your blog and social media? Where would they where would they find cuz you write a blog. I I know yeah. I read it. So where where yeah. can we find you? <laughs> Um, well, you can go to thejoymodel.com, and um, if you to to you know see more about the book and the blog, but you can also see the same blog uh, and what I'm up to with this you know Colorado specific discipleship ministry um, at thewaytolife.org, and it's the way and two is the number two life. The way the number two life dot com. Dot dot org dot org okay per- yeah. terrific. so the same same blog is on both locations awesome well, well Jeff yeah. this has been this has been fantastic I I, I knew I knew that this was going to be a special I mean we, we've spent <laughs> thirty minutes uh, together and it went by like it was five mm-hmm. and I yeah. knew it would uh, there's so yeah. much more we could talk about but I I just thank you so much for being on our our money and meaning show today always inspired by you and and Michelle's great work we didn't even have an opportunity to talk about the incredible ministry and, and work that she does. But you, uh, you've been fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, Mike, well, thank you. Mike, and, and anything keep you up. to add to this or thoughts or questions? Uh, what were you going to say there, Jeff? Well, just keep up the good work. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what, the last thing I would say is one of the biggest barriers next to margin is money. People mm-hmm. are just wrapped around the axle about money. They don't get it. They're afraid of it. They don't know how to manage it. Um, and it, it should liberate people. So, Jeff, just keep doing what you're doing. It is a very common obstacle for people to living a free and full and joyful life. So I'm in your corner cheering you on. Thanks for the encouragement. Well, and I think this really, this this entire episode and everything that Jeff said really underscores really the purpose of the Money and Meaning show with Jeff Renier, that we're helping you discover what matters most and then helping you align your actions and resources. It's got to start with why, not with dollar signs. And Jeff's story just just really accentuated that. So thank you again, Jeff. And that is all we have for today, folks. That's another episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier in the books. Hope today's conversation was helpful. Thanks again for joining us. And don't forget, check out past episodes and even Jeff's blog at tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation.
Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC,